Well, welcome everyone to episode 31 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. It is always a delight to upload an interview. So you, the listener, can enjoy the interviewee that I'm interviewing. Hopefully my technique is incrementally improving and people are enjoying the people that are being recorded. Each person that is interviewed has multiple memories and thoughts on their journey and it is a privilege to record their memories and being able to share them with you, the listener. I sincerely appreciate your support. Additionally, I must keep thanking, infrequently, Luke Nolan, who recorded the musical parts to the podcast. This episode's interviewee at 33 is a young man, but once you listen to the two parts of this interview, you will understand why I wanted to interview him as he has amassed a large amount of footballing experiences. Jacob Timpano started his career at Fernhill Junior Soccer Club and, after a few years, he then started representing his region successfully via the Illawarra and Wollongong Wolves junior setups. Most people in the Illawarra know his journey in terms of playing senior football at the Wolves and Sydney FC and representing and captaining his country in the younger tiers of the Australian team setups. Add in his different levels of coaching experiences and it was fantastic to hear his version of events and the way he sees his career up until 2019. Around the Illawarra, Jacob is well known and well respected by many, myself included. I found him to be humble and pragmatic about his amazing career. Yes, he had downs in his career, but during the interview, I was further impressed as he has a fantastic perspective on life and what has transpired. He looks back rightly with pride and objectivity. His love for the Wolves has been lifelong and his contribution has been immense. It was a joy to listen to Jacob and I hope you enjoy the first part of this episode. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm in the beautiful surrounds of Coromel and I'm here with a very special guest, Jacob Timpano. Jacob, welcome. Thanks for having me, mate. Well, thank you for allowing me into your home. Um, it's greatly appreciated. Um, we will start at the beginning um, of your, for a relatively young man, a, a large um, soccer CV that you do have, or football CV. Um, what was the uh, first memory of football in your life? Oh, probably I, I was a Fernhill junior, so I grew up in Taraji. Mum and dad are still down there. Um, my dad and his brothers were rugby league sort of guys, rugby league family. But yeah, I just I did play a lot of footy in the front yard. Yeah. Um, I think mum sort of didn't want us to play that contact sport, so Fernhill yeah. was around the corner and signed up. Um, yeah, to Fernhill and yeah, and got enjoyment out of playing soccer and started it off there. And I think yeah, because we we loved it so much and a little good environment down there and obviously had a little bit of talent, um, which sort of yeah progressed me. Um, sort of through the levels but yeah just those sort of memories kicking the ball down at Taraji there um, I remember my first ever coach Pete Anderson um, 
few mates, schoolmates, played in my Fernhill team. Yep. But yeah, just those memories from Fernhill, and even going down and watching Fernhill first grade. We used to, you know, my, my dad used to take us down, and um, you know, guys like Spider, Paul Giraudi, those sort yep. of guys running around in the Premier League. So that sort of stuff's probably the earliest memories for me. Yeah. And and what about um, Mr. Anderson and um, and some of these mates? Uh, who were they? And and what do you remember of those sort of you played there from <coughs> under sixes to under tens? Um, does anything still sort of pop out in the memory? A, um, a game or a set of games there? Um, yeah, look, I remember we, we were quite a quite decent team. We used to have a pretty good rivalry with um, uh, Balgowney, yep. guys like um, uh, Peter Gaffney, um, Flam, uh, Kurt Goldman. There was a few boys there that sort of yep. knocked around at school and played against. Um, Winuna used to have Ruben Zadkovic playing in that age group, so that was always a, a bit of a, a bit of a rivalry. Um, yeah, but can't sort of remember specifics. I think under under tens, maybe we might have gone close to a grand final or something like that. Um, one of my close schoolmates that I grew up with, Daniel Sinise, he played yep. um, in the juniors with me down there, and um, uh, we had Jason Ray, who's actually coaching at Sydney FC under 18s. Um, Trent Jansen, old JJ, his old man was a rugby league guy, but he, he played down at Fernhill. So yeah, so that were just that were good times down there and um, good little club and uh, close to home. And just remember, yeah, training on the backfield there near the beach and running laps and kicking the ball around and having fun. And so um, when you did start playing, um, like you said, you had a bit of rugby league in terms of the the front yard and mucking around. Um, but did that sort of initial three or four years there? At Fernhill, then I guess get the football bug really inside you, and sort of rugby league was left to the side to a certain extent. Yeah, like I never really, I, I never played a competitive rugby league, but we just just kick around in the yard with my cousins and and brother and stuff. But yeah, look, when I was obviously playing, although at a young age, I, I suppose I was a bigger kid for my age as well, yeah. so I stood out and did quite well. And yeah, as you do in junior, score a bucket load of goals and whatnot, and. Because um, I was probably a bit taller, scoring headers, and um, yeah, I was obviously doing quite well. And there was, a, there was a bunch of players in that age group that were decent enough, and Des Giraldi was one of them. Um, so then, come to back then, it was Illawarra rep yep. started elevens, and um, obviously after you know doing quite well, and Mum and Dad took me to the trials and made the elevens rep team, and then I suppose yeah, the rest of the history just went through the ranks from from there. Yeah, well, you're very humble in saying the rest is history. There's a lot to, to get through. But that initial um, sort of 97, 98 um, period where then you made that Illawarra under 11s and under 12s, um, were you at the time pretty stoked by it or you just saw it as a new group of um, boys to play with? Um, what were your thoughts on, on representing? Yeah, I, I remember, I, I still remember the trials. I think they were at Unandera Oval um, under 11. Derek Henderson was um coach of our rep team at the time and um that like I said that age group was a pretty um pretty decent um age group of kids I mean I'll probably mention it down the track but just from our area sort of myself Des Giraldi Lockie Cahill and Ruben Zadkovic were, were those 1986 age group borns and we, we went on to play for Australia at youth level so I suppose it was a fairly talented age group um so yeah the trials and and back then now it's sort of we're going through the process now with Wolves Juniors but back then you wait for your letter in the mail to see if you've been <laughs> selected and um, yeah I remember getting picked and obviously quite stoked about it and um, 
that's probably where I form started to form my friendship with Desiree. who's probably yep. who's my best mate now. Um, but our families obviously go back a little bit as well. Our, our grandparents migrated from Italy together, and our mum and dads grew up. But it, together but it probably wasn't until I started playing with Desert under 11's Illawarra that our sort of friendship um, blossomed but um, yeah so that was that's those memories um, from there and I said Derek Henderson um, still see him around now every yeah, now and I then I think and he had um, he's probably a very strong uh, Illawarra Premier League player and before the Illawarra Premier League um, for Blamby and, and out in the northern suburbs so he was a a really nice man and a good coach, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was a great coach, and I said he was the first um, rep coach for me, and um, he took, yeah, took us under 11s and 12s, and then we progressed into the Wolves junior system. But, yeah, remember, um, yeah, those those times with Illawarra, we, we were we were very strong then. Um, pretty sure we won the under 11s grand final. Um, we had a probably a bit of a rivalry with Southern Districts yep. in those years. They were, they were quite strong. Um, but like I said, our, our our group of players was was quite quite good in that age group, so we were fortunate to have some good years in the junior reps. And and apart from Des and Ruben, um, who were some of the other guys that you did play in in that age group in the Illawarra team? Um, yeah, Mitchell Cooper was our goalkeeper. Yep. Obviously, still he knocked around a fair bit in the in the Premier League. Um, I said Peter Gaffney. Um, I'm testing the memory now. I don't have any photos of it, so I can't sort of refer oh, to well, it. Oh, that's all good. Um, yeah, Lockie Cahill, who I said went on to play um, reps, Kieran Dean, who was quite talented as a as a junior player. Um, I remember I played uh, back then. It was the old sort of four four two with a stopper and sweeper, and I played stopper. And um, Sean Falcon, I remember used to play as a sweeper um, behind me. Um, yeah, so there's some some names there, but obviously the standout sort of Dev Giraldi and, yep. and, and Lockie Cahill, who also went on to. To represent and before we talk a bit more do you think um because some of the names that you mentioned um even some of the other guys that you know went into premier league are still very good players but do you think um it was just a coincidence in that age group that you've had um four or five very talented uh boys playing or do you think the part of it was the coaching or or, or what do you think yeah look i, I yeah not not 100 percent sure i think it, it was it was yeah, probably a rare age group that had some talent in it. Um, but look, obviously been involved in a fair bit of coaching now. I think back then, obviously it's changed a lot the way you know coaches coach and the, the um, curriculum and etc. But I think back then it was just about having fun and guys enjoyed themselves and had that extra bit of talent and coaches let the players express themselves. So I think that was um, obviously down here in the reps and it still is today. We were always hard working players and. Um, teams from Sydney don't like, um, you know, travelling down here or coming up against players that really give it a go and maybe not the most talent, but you know, good attitudes and work hard and sometimes that sort of, um, you know, beats the the talented ones. So yeah, I just think it was a, it was yeah, we're fortunate to have a good age group and um, yeah, a good bunch of guys and and you know, families got on and it was yeah, it was a good time and um, you know, our parents sort of made sort of friends for life through that as well and yeah, they were um, obviously that's about twenty. Yeah, twenty odd years ago, but um, yeah, good uh, good start to the rep scenes for us anyway. And uh, I think people tend to forget that, but um, after doing more and more interviews and and with uh, talented uh, kids like yourself, um, the parents do do a lot of um, I guess logistical work of 
getting you to training and to games, but also when they're at games, they do form great friendships with, with other parents as well. So that that's a positive aspect apart from your development. Yeah, no, that's, that's one thing that uh, I look back now on the sort of career. In football, you make friends. Um, you make really good friends that you, you, you keep in contact with regularly, but you also, you know, you bump into someone that you haven't seen for 10 years and, and you'll, you'll, you'll start off where you left 10 years ago. So that's how, that's the beauty of sport and the beauty of football, I think. That, and that's one thing that I... Um, cherish over the years whether it's a um you know someone i played with um in illawarra or wolves juniors or um you know someone like robbie fowler who i played with that i was fortunate enough to create a good bond with and and still keep in touch with so that's the sort of beauty of it and um that's something that i sort of take mostly out of my career anyway and so was the the next progression in um 99 2000 where you're at the wolves in under 13s and 14s was that um, just the way the setup was then, that the Illawarra representative um, age group stopped and then Wolves then took over in that sense? Yeah, so that's how it, um, in our time, when Illawarra 11s and 12s and then yep. Wolves juniors, um, now we start Wolves at under nines in our SAP program, but that's how it was back then. And um, 13s, we, Wolves started and I'm just trying to get which way around. Thirteens and fourteens, I played, and I'm pretty sure Brendan Fotheringham coached our thirteens, and yeah. and then Dave Jerzer our fourteens. I remember um, again, we were quite strong. Um, our under thirteen team. I'm pretty sure we made the grand final. I think I still remember it. Um, Gabby Stadium, Old Blacktown, and because that was still part of that um, division you played in was had NSL clubs. Um, as well as yourselves, is yeah, that right? Yeah, so we obviously the yeah, your Sydney Olympics, Sydney teams. Uniteds and Marconi's. Um, Blacktown were always strong as, as junior teams. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a, similar to the system now, basically. Yep. Um, and again, we were we were quite strong um, 13s and it made the grand final. Um, it, it was at Blacktown, I'm pretty sure it was against Blacktown we got beaten in the 13s grand final. Um, but yeah, again, a strong team, and yeah, Brendan Fotheringham had us had us that year, and um, for us as kids going from Illawarra to playing for the Wolves, obviously Wolves were in the National League then, yeah. so it was a pretty big deal. So it was pretty uh, exciting in your mind, you know, the change of strip. Um, you know, it was probably uh, a golden period, or was coming up to a golden period for the Wolves, so it must have been um, pretty sort of heady in in your mind and the other guys that. You were with this setup. Yeah, I remember like being at school, and you know, everyone wanted to play for the Wolves, and um, you know, you'd write the wolf, you know, draw the Wolves logo on your <laughs> on your books at school or your pencil case and stuff like that. that. That's what we were, you know, everybody wanted to play for the Wolves, and um, you know, that's how it should be. And it, it is starting to, I think, it is getting like that again, being involved in the Wolves, that, that kids have that ambition. Um, obviously, after the NSL, it went through a little bit of a lull period that, yep. you know, Wolves weren't probably, yeah, as uh, as they were in the past and maybe fell off the radar a little bit, but I think that that's coming back now. But in those days, like I said, it was almost the golden era for the Wolves and, you know, every kid wanted to, to play for the Wolves. And, um, yeah, for us at the time, it was, yeah, we, we loved it. That was a highlight and you'd, you'd go down to Brandon Park um, you know be ball boy and chase a wolf and um, you know watch the games from the hill and uh, we, we played the outside grounds there at Brandon Park where yeah. our junior fields and you know you'd play on a Saturday morning and you'd come across the first grade team and um, 
yeah, every kid there had a obviously that dream and ambition to play play for the Wolves. And do you think um, reflecting on on it now, and like you said, there was a bit of a lull period there, and and with the last uh, sort of a few years where you've been involved in the Wolves at different levels, um, their name and their recognition is sort of coming back. Um, but do you think back then that um, having someone locally within the area sort of gave you something tangible to be inspired by and, and something that you could then go, wow, I want to be part of this and, and there's an opportunity in in my local area? Yeah, well, that was, that was it. And, and, you know, as a kid, you'd see, obviously, first grade play and guys like Matty Horsley and, and Chippers. Um, and like I said, being at Brandon Park, um, look, I remember at the time, um, sometimes, you know, you'd see Stewie Beattie down watching the junior games or even Nick Theodore Acopolis when he was yeah. there or Ron Corrie. So that sort of gave the kid, you know, us as kids, a, a bit of a kick and a buzz. Um, you know, and we were obviously just across the car park from the stadium. So that, and that's that's how football, that's how football is across the globe, that the junior kids want to aspire to playing yeah. the senior team. And, um, yeah, you know, you'd, you'd do the Wolves clinics in the holidays and you'd get the first graders doing that. And that's what, um, sort of the clubs getting back to now and, and trying to create again, and I think I think we're well on that way. But yeah, for us it was yeah, we had one one dream, or, or I did anyway, and I know a lot of the other kids, and that was to play one day for the Wolves. So um, yeah, I was able to achieve that. And, and in terms of um, after that sort of under 13s and under 14s, and was it predominantly the same group of blokes or young 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 men or boys? Um, that you played with the Illawarra sort of transitioned into that Wolves setup. Yeah, we, as I said, we were a pretty strong group, so there wasn't a lot of changes yep. um, through that process. But our 13s and 14s, yeah, were quite strong. And um, once we got to that stage, so under 14s, that's when the state team started, and you'd, yep. you'd get you'd, you'd go to camps at Parkley and yep. in the school holidays, and I, and I remember those ones. And um, you'd get picked. Well, I, I'm fortunate to get picked in the state teams, and you're playing the national titles. Um, and again, us as New South Wales were quite strong. We had a fairly big rival with um, Victoria, yep. who predominantly, once we ended up progressing through that and, and going into the Australian under-17s team, that a lot of them were made up of New South Wales and Victorian players. Um, yeah, but going back, under-14s is when the state team started, so I was fortunate to, to obviously make the state teams. And um, we won national titles the first year, I think, under-14s at Parkley. Um, and from that, uh, back then there was obviously no Sydney FC and A League academy, yep. so New South Wales Institute was the um, was where everyone wanted to be and where the best players were. So after the 14s Wolves, I was um, offered the opportunity to go to New yep. South Wales Institute, and um, Kelly Cross ran that program for a lot of years. He's he's at Sydney FC as their TD of their academy now, but I was yeah fortunate to get an opportunity there in those days um that's where the best of the best in new south yep. wales sort of come through um before us obviously harry kuehl brett emerton paul reed luke luke wilkshire he come through there and um so that was where i got the opportunity to go but also along with um lachlan kale and kieran dean who were yep. part of my team um and then obviously a goalkeeper that everyone will We'll know Adam Federici, who was further down the coast. So, yep. um, so he didn't play with you guys in the under 13s under 14 Wolves. <clears throat> no, he was Southern Branch, so yep. he was actually a year older than us. So the intake for New South Wales Institute was our age group, which were 1986 borns and 1985 borns. Um, 
and he was a he was a year older. Um, but he obviously played for country New South Wales and the nationals and um, yeah, he was offered a scholarship at New South Wales Institute as well. And for him, it was yeah, living down um, Jervis Bay or wherever it yeah. may be down the coast. He used to travel up to his mum. His mum Rhonda used to you know drive him up to Wollongong, and we'd jump in a car from Wollongong, whether it be them or one of our parents, and drive to Park Lee. And he used to leave school early to get here, get to Park Lee. It was probably a six-hour round trip, seven-hour yeah. round trip for him. It was long enough for us um, from Wollongong, but. Obviously, for him, it's paid off in the end. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that institute squads, that was where I said everyone wanted to be. And the New South Wales Institute were part of the National Youth League at the time, so the NSL Youth League. And we were 14, 15 year olds playing in a under 20 competition, basically. Wow. Um, yeah, you'd come up against Wolves Youth Team, Brisbane Strikers, Marconi, etc. And you'd come up against first graders that were dropping back. Um, as a 14 year old i was as again i was physically quite quite big and developed for a, for a 14 year old um younger ones probably didn't play as often but i i was able to crack the team and i yeah played regularly in the national youth league as a sort of 14 year old and then 15 year old um and there was games that we'd get towed up um which is sort of normal playing that high above but we we also you know we got some results ourselves and that was probably a time which doesn't happen now. You won't see a 14, 15-year-old playing in an under-20 competition, but, you know, that's probably the, you know, that helped me develop and, again, progress through through the ranks. Do you think that, uh, reflecting on it now with um, your skill set and knowledge as a coach as well, do you think that, um, although it might be seen as politically incorrect to, to do that or maybe an OH&S issue, but do you think it accelerated your development somewhat to uh, play against older guys and, and, and playing that system at that age group? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's it's a hard one because obviously being involved in coaching now, there's not many... Younger players play up an age group maybe, or um, but it's, it's very rare across the board. And I think there was actually a report that came out this week that from the golden generation that was one thing that, that come up was obviously the AIS and institutes that the players were playing in very competitive um, competitions against older players so um, yeah look for, for me personally and for others it was it was a great um, stepping stone and development um, look for others it may not have been been for them because they it might be intimidated or, or physically not strong enough or, or, or get injuries but um, yeah that was that was a time, um, you know. As I said there was no A League clubs and no academies, so that's that was the pinnacle of New South Wales yeah. anyway. To be in the New South Wales Institute, um, and as I said a lot of a lot of players come through that and, and went on to have good careers. So, because um, it's always, I guess, helpful now for you and even for me doing this interview that you've you've got a coach's hat, so to speak, and so you can reflect through the prism of being a coach, but. Um, what were, I guess, the subtle differences between being coached at, at the Wolves representative team to this institute? Um, apart from, I guess, a higher calibre of player that you were training with and against, um, what were the coaching differences at that institute then compared to the Wolves? Yeah, I think um, back in those days at the Wolves, as I said, that sort of the you know, coaching methods were probably... Yeah, not not as they are today. Yep. Um, New South Wales Institute. Um, look, Kelly Cross 
obviously developed a lot of players and um, it, it was probably more of a professional environment that was the biggest yep. thing um, trained more regularly and, and it was probably when sports science started to get introduced a little bit and being at the New South Wales Institute you had access to you know, strength and conditioning coaches, dietitians, yep. sports doctors um, so that's probably where I was first gradually introduced into um, yeah, it's more sports science and you do your prehab and, and rehab and um, so that side of it was probably what was a lot stronger um, also the psychological stuff you do a lot of that um, that's when you know you'd get your your games videoed and start doing a bit of video analysis which which that stuff at the time in Wolves Juniors was was non-existent and it didn't happen at any other club that's New South Wales Institute started to introduce all that so that was the extra stuff um, you'd get I remember in the off seasons we'd also I think it was maybe a Sunday morning you'd, you'd spend all day up there um, I remember we used to get up myself Lockie Kieran and, and Adam we used to catch a train to Sydney and a parent would pick us up and take us to Park Lee because it'd be like a nine till five day and yep. you know you'd train in the morning you'd have lunch together you'd do a video session um, maybe get someone to come in and talk and then train again in the afternoon so stuff like that wouldn't wouldn't happen at, at Club Lane and no one expected it to but being part of the institute that's what you started to get introduced to and now it's normal to do that stuff and we do that stuff here at, at the Wolves in our system but back then it was it was rare and it was probably yeah, the elite players got that opportunity to be in that environment. And and what about some of the other guys that you played with in those couple of years at the Institute? You know, you've spoken about Adam, obviously, and, and Kieran and Lachlan, but uh, who were some of the other guys that you interacted with in the squad? <coughs> yeah, um, look, players that probably went on, um, Eric Pardaloo, um, he's obviously still playing now in India, but he, he went on to have a decent career. Um, uh, during the time, there was a lot of good players... Um, within the that environment but I, I really think that Eric Pardley was probably the one that really went on um, obviously Adam Federici um, I said Lockie Cahill was with us um, here in Wollongong he played Australian under 17s it was a goalkeeper Nathan Hughes who played Australian under 17s um, there was some talented player Angelo Martino who played for the Joeys but as it sort of is and, and it's one thing that I try to explain to parents now it doesn't really matter how good you are at 15 16 17 the, the chances of actually going on and having a, a decent career that are a little bit slim and that that's just the realism of it um you know i said that that was the best of the best in new south wales at that time and yeah look a few of us went on to have look i, I classify, classify my career as not bad career i wouldn't yep. say it's a, a very good career but um you know, it's yeah. So it's it's one of those ones, and it's a bit of a yeah. That's just that's just how it is. It's it's, it's realistic, and just because you're the best of the best at that age, it doesn't mean you're going to go on and and play for the Socceroos or or make yourself millions and be able to retire <laughs> at thirty. Do you think um, as well? Um, and you sort of mentioned it before with with Des and 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 whatnot, and some of the other guys. But you know, in the off season, catching up a train with three other other guys um you either really develop a friendship or you don't but clearly you have but that's an important part and you mentioned it before that you know um these friendships uh you know you spend part of your teenage life formative years and and you're around these guys and carpooling and whatnot it, it must still although a lot of hard work it still must sit positively in your mind that hey 
these guys we did a lot together yeah you do and you spend a lot of time together and it's um you know moving forward even then going into sort of um the australian teams and i said earlier we had a obviously pretty good rivalry with victoria um so two guys that were in my age group um from victoria uh, adrian layer and christian sarkis who went on to play for aussie teams and in the a-league and um you know just they're just examples they're a couple of guys i formed good friendships with and um you know, Adrian, Christian Sarkis had a decent career. Adrian Leo went on to have a pretty good career, captain in Melbourne Victory and playing in Asia. And, and he's someone, you know, just, just as an example, see once every, in a blue moon. But yep. um, yeah, I went to his wedding, uh, etc. speak to him quite regularly. If I'm in Melbourne, we catch up. So they, the, they are sort of the friendships that you do create. And I said, for me, that's probably one part that I'll look back on my career and, and get the most satisfaction about and and after the uh, the institute, you did spend uh, a couple of months at the AIS, the Australian Institute of Sport um, Soccer Program or Football Program. Um, how did that come about, um, and and um, why only for a couple of months? Yeah, so I said basically then the institutes were the the pinnacle of of where the uh, youth players wanted to be. So in New South Wales is our institute, Victoria it was a VIS. Ernie Merrick was was head of the VIS at that time, um, or it was the AIS and Steve O'Connor, who's currently with the Wolves now as a twenties coach. Um, they were the three big institutes. AIS was obviously the the pinnacle, but how it worked was the VIS and NSWIS would take plays in at fourteen, fifteen, yep. and then once you get to the end of that cycle, um, the Australian Institute would take the best of the best, and then that crop would hopefully potentially be the Australian under-17 team. Yep. Um, so I spent two years at N-Swiss um, playing in the National Youth League, um, doing quite well. And during that time, I did get offered a scholarship at the AIS. Um, how it did sort of work those days, if you were... During my second year at Institute, I was invited to train with the Wolves first-grade team. Yep. So... Um, I'd get there was an agreement between us and the institute or the Wolves and the Institute that I'd train here once or twice a week and yep. up there once or twice a week because I was training with first grade and again that was yeah as a 15 year old um, which was for me was a great buzz and saved me a couple of trips to Sydney as well <laughs> but it was also yeah, and my, my dad was happy because he didn't have to drive but um, that was that was a good chance for me but um I got offered the opportunity to go to the Institute, but at the time, I said I was training with Wolves first grade and Ronnie Corey was the coach at the time. Um, and I was offered a, a first grade contract for the 2000 and maybe two, I think it was 2002 season. Yep. Um, so really back then, if, if you were going to be playing National League first grade, you'd obviously stay with an NSL club. If yep. you weren't, you'd, you'd go to the AIS yes. because that was the, the best program to be in. Um, so I think it was I spent a few months at the AIS because it was a bit of a it was more during the off season it was a break between um, the end of the institute cycle and before the start of the National Soccer League the following season so um, I think there was a tournament coming up um, for the AIS it was a Milk Cup in Ireland and um, although I wasn't on scholarship at the AIS I was sort of part of that group and age that was preparing for a you know under 17 World Cup um, so I was given the opportunity to spend a few months there, travel overseas with the team, 
um, which was yeah, which was a, a good experience. Um, and then once I, on my return, then I started my contract with the Wolves um, first grade team for, for National League. So um, yeah, looking back, a few people have asked me, "Oh, do you regret not going to the AIS?" Um, but not really, because I did spend a bit of time there anyway, and I was I was given the opportunity to play sort of first grade National League at sixteen, which which was rare in those days as well. Yeah, and, definitely. And the coaches sort of at that time, um, obviously Steve O'Connor was at the AIS, and um, Ange Postacoglu was the uh, Joey's coach, Australian under seventeen's coach. So they encouraged that really, if a, if you were going to be playing first grade. Um, at an NSL club, they were more than happy for for guys to do that to get that experience and um, be in that environment. If you were just going to be there and and possibly not getting any time, they probably preferred being at the AIS. But yeah, I was fortunate to to play, um, and that was yeah, for me a great development um, time for me as well. And so, do you think, um, uh, or or more, I'll put it correctly, do you think? Um was it just your decision and your parents or did you guys um, as a family sort of take into advisement um, uh, what um, Postacoglu and O'Connor were saying in terms of forming your decision about um, you know having that contract with the Wolves or signing that contract rather than staying at the IS? Yeah, it was... I also had a... Going into that time, I had a manager, um, Andy Burnell, who was also an ex-Socceroo, um, at that time, he was he was um, looking after a yeah a very good crop of um, players. Um, so and he was obviously he was friends with you know Steve O'Connor and Kelly Cross and Ange Postecoglou. So yeah, look, it was a amongst the coaches and and my manager and my parents and um, yeah, also what I wanted to do it was yep. it was a fairly easy decision. I said it was it was sort of the norm that if you were going to get the opportunity to play first grade, that you would you would do that, and then you know in the off season you'd you'd go spend time at the AIS instead of so it's the best of both. You know, worlds. So you get the best of both worlds, and yeah, I was I was fortunate to do that. Well, um, although uh, you know, I guess we can Wikipedia. It. And, and find out, but I'll get it from from yourself directly. Um, uh, what age did you debut um, with the Wolves in the NSL? Um, yeah, it was sixteen. I was. I actually remember my debut. Um, I remember the preseason, and I, I I didn't think I would maybe get the opportunity so early. But um, yeah, back then I said Ronnie Corey was a big fan of mine, and and during the preseason. Um, yeah, I got a few games, and obviously back then, but it's coming around a bit now. We'd play sort of a three-five-two, and I'd play as a um, a stopper, um, you know, alongside uh, Dave Savinsky and um, uh, Robbie Stan and Buddy Farrow, those sort of guys. Yep. Um, I'd play alongside. So yeah, I remember I had a pretty decent preseason. Uh, I wasn't expecting to to get an opportunity so early, but yeah, first round. I, I do remember my debut quite clearly. That's something I, I do remember. I was at Marconi Stadium, and yeah. Marconi um, was always, you know, a great. I think they, they still call it the Palace. It's one of the <laughs> most um, you know, famous places in Australian football. So, um, yeah, coming up against Marconi, I was yeah, I, I, I just turned sixteen, um, and yeah, it was away. And I remember yeah, a lot of the family come up and. Um, Game ended two all, 
uh, I remember it, uh, Alex Brosk, who I still find as a one of the toughest players to mark, and I was fortunate enough to play with Brosky at Sydney. Um, he scored two goals, and I remember for us, Norm Sekolovsky scored um, a double. The game finished two all. I, I come off with an injury, I think, or with about ten minutes to go. But um, yeah, that's that's a game that I remember quite clearly. Um, you know, and for me, yeah, a high, one of the highlights of my career was to. I said earlier, to, it was always a dream of young players to to play for the Wolves, and obviously that was just on the back of that era where they won the back to back grand yep. finals. But um, yeah, for me, that was a special moment. And um, I guess uh, for some people um, who might listen to this and aren't fully aware of what the NSL meant, it was just as good as the A-League, um, you know, so we're not talking, um, you know, a, a sort of mom and pop competition here, it, it is the National Soccer League, so um, yeah, you could do no more in terms of the level you were playing in Australia. Yeah, it was, I, I suppose especially kids these days wouldn't wouldn't understand how how strong the NSL was and mm. there's obviously always the debate of which league was stronger but for me it's it's different eras i think yeah the NSL the NSL oh, look i think it probably was just as good as the A league i suppose the difference now is you know the 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 sports science of it the strength and conditioning component players are full time back then we weren't full time it was you know a few days a week and travel on the weekend but um some of the players that played in the NSL, you know, were just as good, if not better, than players running around in the A League now. Um, and there's still a few players that played in the National League that are still playing in the A League. So it's it's yeah, it's probably not right to compare the two, but I think both were, you know, great. Com- the A League's a great competition, but the NSL was yeah as good, if not better, in its time. So um, you had uh, two or three seasons there at the Wolves, but sort of in between in that period, you you had the uh, the Joeys. Um, and, and obviously you got selection there. Can you tell us about um, your thoughts on being selected, um, even though it might have sort of been a sort of in your mind, well, I'm playing NSL, I'm on the radar anyway, but it still must have been a great moment for you to, to be selected for the Joey. So how did that come about and, and how were you told? Yeah, so going back, when, when you're sort of 14, 15 and you play the national titles, that's where... Um, you know the national team coaches, and it was Ange at the time would, would scout. Um, we, we'd had a few camps during that period as well. Um, after nationals, you know, they'd bring a group of forty, fifty players maybe into to Parkley or wherever it might be down the AIS for a camp. And um, yeah, obviously you're on the radar from that time. And yeah, obviously I I, I was quite a strong player at that period. And um, I think that was one of the reasons also why, for me, I was pushed to play NSL because coming into those national teams, there was only a few players with NSL experience. Majority of players were still at the AIS or, yep. or the N-Swiss. And oh, I suppose now as a, as a coach looking at it, and Ange at the time wanted some players that were you know were senior match-hardened and yep. had played at um, that level. So, yeah, so obviously playing NSL, I was yeah, firmly on the radar for the Joeys. Um, and we'd have camps. Um, you obviously have your qualifiers. Um, I think our qualifiers, we were still in the Oceana at the time. Yep. Um, and we, the qualifiers were actually in Australia, and I, I still remember it was up at Marichador, um for the Under-17 World Cup. And um, Yeah, look, that, that, I think the qualifiers were during that first NSL season I played, or possibly yep. after. Um, 
yeah, I was fortunate enough to be captain of the squad. Again, having probably first grade experience and playing national league, there wasn't wasn't too many boys. The ones I mentioned earlier, Adrian Lay was playing for Melbourne Knights. Um, Christian Sarkis was playing for South Melbourne. Uh, there was a few other guys. Nigel Bogart had had a couple of games for Newcastle United, um, but there wasn't too many boys that had played senior football. So yes, I was given the honour of being captain, and we qualified. We had the qualifiers in um, yeah Marichador, and I remember. I think we won the qualifiers, but then there was a we had to play a home and away leg against New Caledonia yep. to, for a last playoff. Um, who, yeah, to be honest, they weren't quite strong. New Zealand were the team that you'd always yep. come up against last, but for whatever reason, I don't think New Zealand they may have been in our group actually, and I think we 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 topped our group, which knocked New Zealand out, and New Caledonia topped the other group. So we had a yeah home and away leg playoff, which which we yeah won quite comfortably, um, and then qualified for the World Cup. Which was um, yeah in Finland in two thousand and three. So yeah, I remember leading up to that, we had we had numerous camps, and also because a lot of the team were at the AIS, um, you know, a lot of camps were held down there. And um, yeah, like I said, there was um, a couple of Wollongong boys, and myself, Lockie Cale, yeah. and Des was down at AIS at the time. So um, that was special to share the Seventeens World Cup with Des. But yeah, we had some great pre-trips. We we we, we toured the UK toured Europe we actually went to Finland pre-World Cup and had a yep. camp there so missed a lot of school during those days because I was also still at, at school at Holy Spirit in sort of year 11 and 12 playing NSL traveling with the Aussie teams um, but yeah those are times that yeah, as a as a 16 year old 15 16 year old it's yeah it was special and um, yeah we come to the World Cup in Finland and uh Again, at the time, you know, we were coming up against... Our group was Argentina, Nigeria, and Costa Rica. Yep. Um, I remember, obviously, who did we play first? I think it was... um, We played Nigeria, um, first game of the World Cup, and John Obi McKell was Nigerian captain. Obviously, he went on and still plays. He had a career at Chelsea. Yeah. we, I think we 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 went one goal up. Desdrioli actually scored. I think we got a photo somewhere of how sort of <laughs> mentally was going. And, and at the time, my dad my dad had travelled to Finland um, with Des's Des's dad. My uncle travelled there as well. So um, yeah, we 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 lost to to Nigeria. Um, uh, I don't I think we had a draw with Costa Rica possibly, and and we played Argentina as well. Um, we got beat, but. At the time, again, we were we were obviously confident, and and you know it was a World Cup. But when you really look at it, you know we had players. You know I was playing National League with a couple of players National League, and the opposition they had players playing in Europe in Champions yeah. League in Europe. You know, so it was it was really chalk and cheese. But we were competitive. We yeah, so we we lost. I think we lost two one to Nigeria, um, maybe two nil to Costa Rica, and I think it was two nil to Argentina. So they weren't we weren't. Yeah, they weren't. We weren't they smashed, weren't bad but um, yeah, well, we, we didn't we didn't get through the group stages. But yeah, what, what an experience that was, and that was the first sort of taste of you know a World Cup environment. And even at under seventeens, um, yeah, it's obviously a FIFA World Cup, and it's done properly, and, and you feel like a you know a proper footballer. So you you get the national anthem and 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 whatnot. Yeah, and that's again captain in captain in my country was special. You obviously lead out. 
lead out your country and you know sing the national anthem and um yeah that's i mean i've still got the videos and dvds of the games from from that um well haven't watched it for a long time i think when the kids get a little bit older i'll probably show (laughs) them but um yeah that's the sort of stuff that you dream of and and you're proud and you make your you know hopefully make other people proud and your family proud um because not everyone gets the opportunity to captain their country i suppose yeah definitely so um like you said, um, it must be pretty special. And you had had some family members there as well, uh, your dad and your uncle. Um, so that must sort of, you know, you, you're not just doing it for yourself. You're driven by others who have supported you. So um, it must still sit pretty pretty well in, in your mind and, and your heart. Yeah, it does. And, and I said that was the first sort of taste, um, the Under-17 World Cup of sort of a, a, you know, an international tournament or a World Cup tournament. Um and like I said, at the time, you know, that was, there was myself, um, obviously Des went on to play a bit of A-League, Adrian Leo, Christian Sarkis, yeah, Nigel Bogard. Um, I remember, and, and again, this is another example I use to parents these days, I remember it clearly, Ange Postacoglu used to tell us as a group, you know, although you're in an Australian under-17s team now, very few of you will probably go on to make make a career for yourselves and, and, and he's spot on and that's yeah. that's a message I without being what's the, what's the word sort of I think again parents get a little carried away if yeah. their, their their kids make a rep team or uh, take them to Sydney to play for Sutherland under 15s because you know but the, the reality is that was the best 20 players of 17 year olds in the country at that time and a handful went on to have an okay career not even yep. not even stardom career so that's that's a message i try to give give parents um you know but again for me what yeah what an experience captain in my country um obviously Ange Postacoglu, you know, doing wonders now as a coach had that faith in me and actually at the time arnie graham arnold was assistant as well and sort of moving forward arnie was, was very good for me as well and had a lot of time for me and he was he was someone that um, yeah, pushed me along the, the ranks as well. But yeah, to be part of a setup with those sort of guys of caliber, um, you know, although they are where they are now, but back then they were they were super as well. So yeah, just an experience, and that was yeah, as a young guy, a, again a great stepping stone, and um, yeah, that was probably just the start of you know what th- what what was to come next. Do you think um, as well that? Um you know, you said it was because some of the the senior guys and you were captain because of your NSL. But do you think that they maybe saw, um, you know, some of the leadership qualities you might have had within yourself, and that's why they they put you as captain rather than as oh, you've played NSL, you're captain. They they did give it a bit of thought in terms of what you'd done, um, but your sort of mental skill set. Yeah, look, I think I, I was always I've always been mature, I suppose, for my age. Um, and yeah, as a younger guy, I look at sort of the 15, 16, 17 year olds now, and I suppose I probably compare it a little bit to myself. But there's probably not too many, you know, really mature players in, in the environments I see anyway. So that for me, I was, yeah, that was just me. I was probably brought up that way and yep. had those leadership skill sets. I wasn't a, you know, a super vocal um, leader or captain, but I think I just just my maturity and, and led by example with my actions, you know, on and off the park. Um, 
because that was one thing, and and, and still to this day, I know Ange Postacoglu. He, he he looks how, you know, how players present themselves off the pitch and yep. how they conduct themselves and, and how they speak to people, or you know, that so that sort of stuff that I was yeah I was probably you know, advanced a little bit beyond my years years. So um, yeah, hence the, the captaincy roles that I was I was handed during that time. And so you you then um, after that World Cup, um, you know. Uh, played some more uh, NSL there with the Wolves, but um, it was a it was a sort of I guess a sort of once in a every two or three decades where where there's sort of a seismic change there, and the change was that the NSL was was finishing up and and the A League was sort of um, you know sort of coming into being. So how did you sort of wrap your head around that as a young bloke, where you probably were focused on your career and wanted to play, but um, things are happening outside of your control that the National League's stopping, and then you've got this sort of, I guess, crossover period. Yeah, it was. Um, that was a very testing time for a lot of players. Um, yeah, the NSL was finished. It was a bit of a gap year. There was a bit of uncertainty over, you know, with Australian football, and there was players in a similar position to me who were, you know, just you know, their careers were just about to to launch and kick off and. There wasn't a lot of options, um, and a lot of players my age started to, to go overseas. Um, I had I had a lot of opportunities to go overseas during that time as well, um, and even before that. But I'd sort of had that planned career path of coming through the institute, yep. playing NSL first. Um, sort of could have gone overseas on on numerous times, but didn't. But during that that time. I had some opportunities to go train in Europe and UK, and I went to um, Desiree. was at Empoli at the time, yep. so after the Under Seventeens World Cup, he went there. Um, so I also got scouted to go there, but I come back and played in the NSL. So during that gap year, got an opportunity to go train there for it was a couple of months, maybe. Um, yep. So I travelled to to Italy train there for a little bit and it was also more just to keep fit and, and tick over because we we're also in the next cycle for the under 20s World yep. Cup and, and qualifiers um, so I spent some time there come back I did a lot of training by myself as well because I'd, I'd finished school um, so I was obviously focusing on football um, I also spent some time at Reading in England yep. my manager at the time who was Andy Burnell he'd played at he'd Reading played there, yeah. um, so he was yeah, he was still quite close with the the coaches and football director there. So I spent some time at Reading. Um, and these were more, yeah, half an eye on possibly, you know, getting something, but also just to, to tick over and, and keep fit yeah. for... Obviously, A-League was coming up, but also for the under-20s qualifiers. Um, I did have the opportunity to stay at Empoli um, in the Primavera squad, which Des was in, which was like a youth team there. But right. for me, for my... My development, I sort of I played two years of senior football, so to go back and play in sort of an under twenty, under nineteen um, competition, I, I sort of thought it probably wasn't for me at the time. Um, the Reading experience was probably more a, a training experience as well, and, and to keep fit and because of Andy's contacts there, which was which was great. I enjoyed that time there, and that gave me a taste of sort of English football. Um, but then. During that period, there was a lot of under twenties camps and qualifiers for the World Cup, um, and again, I was I was fortunate enough to be a, a co-captain of that squad. So that was that was my main focus at the yeah. time. Um, 
and we had a lot of camps. We, we, we toured South America. We toured Europe. We had camps in Australia. Um, Ange was coach again at the time. Um, Ian Crook was assistant coach of the young Socceroos during that period. And that was when the A-League was just sort of got off, over the line and Ian Crook was appointed as the assistant coach of Sydney FC. Um, and because he was in that young Socceroo environment, he... Um, he was he was in charge of recruitment basically for Sydney. So um, there was myself, Mark Milligan, um, Justin Passfield, and well, that was that was the three of us in the young soccerers at the time. And at, at the start of the A League, it was you had to have three under twenties players. So okay. um, so look, we were obviously we were in the box seat because Crookie was with us with the yeah. young soccerers and, and, and liked us, and he was in charge of recruitment for Sydney. So we, we'd sign contracts for Sydney. Um, this is before the A-League started, but obviously things were getting planned. And, yeah, we still had to go through the process of qualifying for the Under-20 World Cup. And um, qualifiers, again, were still in Oceania. Um, the qualifiers were in Solomon Islands. Um, and that was that's a, that's a pretty good experience as well. It's, it's obviously a different different place. But we, um, we only just scraped through the qualifiers. Australia were always expected to win quite easily. Yeah. Um, again, I think we were on a, on a different side of the group to New Zealand, so we didn't come across New Zealand. But we played um, we played Solomon Islands in the in the semi final, and that was the, they were host nations. I, I remember that game pretty clearly. And Solomon's not a place that probably many people have travelled to, but um, I remember it was it was a it wasn't a big stadium, but it was a, it was a ground probably something like a, a cream park or yep. something like that, and um, it was jam packed and. There was all trees around the outside of the ground, and all the Solomon locals were up in the trees. And um, we it was we won the game quite convincingly, but it was a pretty intimidating environment. And and I remember once we got a couple of goals up, the, the locals you know started throwing rocks from the trees, and it, it got a little bit out of hand, and the game got the game got delayed and stopped. And anyway, we we got through that game comfortably. Um, I think for them that that were actually it was actually great. You know, they were great people, but obviously at the time for them to try to make oh, a World Cup was would have been huge for them. So that was that was some experience. But then we played um we played Fiji in the final to qualify for the World Cup. Um and I remember I think we were down two one with, with not long to go and um Christian Sarkis who at the time he, he was a he was a great set piece taker. Um he scored a he scored a free kick close to you know the 90th minute yep. sent the game into um, extra time and we ended up winning three two or four two but that was a that was a bit of a tight um, experience because we were expected to win quite comfortably but nonetheless we, we we qualified for for the under 20 world cup and and that was um that was in 2005 in the netherlands and 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 that squad was again that that next that was i was a 1986 yep. born so the, the joeys were that age group the under twenties were nineteen eighty five born, so you know there was players in that um, age group. That's where sort of the Adam Federici, Justin Passfield was a year older than me. Um, so we, just in that, the three goalkeepers we had was Danny Vukovic, Federici, and Justin Passfield. So um, Mark Milligan was in that team. He's obviously soccer captain now, and that's where players sort of like Nikolai Topper Stanley, um, Ruben Zadkovic was in that team. Um, that that ended up being a, a very strong strong team, and we had high hopes for for the World Cup. And again, we went through a a pretty grueling cycle of you know a lot of travel and camps. Um, Did that become the norm for you, or 
or did you still, um, even though you're, you're focused and diligent and, like you said, were mature for your age, did, did sort of part of you still think, uh, you know, this is, this is fantastic, this sort of process of getting to, you know, immerse myself in football full-time and, and be part of these camps and, and be coached and have all this support? Yeah, look, I, I was I was living the dream. It was, like I said, there was that gap year between the NSL and, and A League. But I was fortunate. You know, obviously, my group of players were fortunate that the young Socceroos and the Under Twenty World Cup was the focus at the time. And and FFA obviously knew that that's what that was. You know, a lot of players were out of competition. And there was nowhere yeah. to play, so they, they you know, obviously did their best to get us together as much as we could for camps and um, you know and trips trips away and, and to get us as prepared as we possibly could for the world cup um but yeah that was that was actually look i don't think the teams now prepare probably as well as we did but as as much as we we spent a lot of time together the reality is nobody apart from some boys that were playing in europe were actually playing in a competition Well, it is here where we will stop in part one of episode 31. Please download part two of episode 31 as Jacob continues to speak about his footballing journey. I sincerely appreciate and respect Jacob for the time he gave me. And additionally, I sincerely thank Jacob, his wife and kids for letting me into their house on a Sunday morning. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now.